Now that the battle is over, we need to take a look at what needs to stay and what needs to get better for the Washington Commanders moving forward. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Saturday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue this conversation with me via text message by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. You get the first two weeks free to see if you like it enough to stick around. And hopefully you do. We have a lot of fun over there with uh, subtext and Enjoyed texting a lot of my subtexters during the game Friday night, and I look forward to continuing that trend all throughout the season. I'm your host of Locked On Commanders, David Harrison, credential member of the media, covering your Washington Commanders for Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Here with you every Monday through Friday, and sometimes a Saturday. Tomorrow we're going to have a Sunday. Just all kinds of craziness happening with the Washington Commanders, and of course that makes the Locked On Commanders a big ball of craziness as well. And I do appreciate you for coming through. When you do it every day, I greatly appreciate you for coming through every day on a consistent basis. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job opening for free. Terms and conditions apply on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. We're diving deeper into your Washington Commanders week one preseason win over the Cleveland Brown with some surprises, some snap count observations, and more. But we're going to start this episode with our after-action review. Now, this is an episode that I do plan on doing into the regular season. This will be your day-after-game episode. I'll do some after-action review stuff. I'll do some press conference observations, and then we'll wrap it up with snap counts and surprises. So AAR, after-action review, is something that I learned to do in the military. In, in the military, you do after a mission, after a training exercise, after an event, right? It's an after-action review. You review the action after it's done. And what you want to do is you want to come away with three things to sustain, so to keep around, and three things to improve upon. Uh, now, here in this show format and with all the stuff to dive into, we're doing one sustain. We're doing one improvement. So if you're a military guy out there or gal and you want to call me a cheater for only doing one of each, that's per- that's perfectly fine. I'm a civilian now. I can only do one if I only want to do one. Uh, so we're going to sustain one thing here. And the thing that I want to sustain, you're not going to be completely surprised by it, but stick with me because I've got some data. I've got some some quantifiable things uh, to talk about. Smart quarterback play from your starter, Sam Howell. I think that's what we got on Friday night. Nine for 12, uh, Sam Howell was 77 yards, a touchdown pass, no interceptions, no near interceptions, no fumbles, none of that craziness. 119.1 quarterback rating. I mean, when you're talking about a second-year quarterback getting his first start in the preseason, but his first start as the starter of an NFL franchise, I don't know if you can get a whole lot better uh, than that or if you should expect a whole lot better than that. Now, Howell's completion to tight end John Bates would have gone for at least 25 yards. Of course, he dropped it, and even if he didn't drop it, there was a penalty that would have called it back. More on that here in just a little bit. Uh, but if you want to count that in there, then really Sam Howell effectively facilitated his team 10 of 13 passes, 82 yards, and that sack potentially doesn't happen without that drop, without that penalty, uh, and that puts the ball, if John Bates brings that in and there's no penalty, puts the ball at the Cleveland Browns 35-yard line, uh, or even better, depending on how far John can run. Now, as a team, 
it happened, right? And you don't want to throw that away. It happened. You need to learn from it. You need to study it. But when you're looking at the quarterback play as a facilitator, as the point guard for this football team, it's hard to deny that Sam Howell put his team in position to be successful time after time after time. And really, that's all that we can ask from him at this point in his development, in my opinion. Something pro football focus notice that I wanted to share with you guys was that the commander's offense used 21 personnel, two running backs, one tight end, once on Friday, never used it last season. Now, obviously, we got two different office coordinators, Scott Turner last year, Eric Bieniemy this year, but never used 21 personnel last season, two backs, one tight end. And if you're an everydayer, and if you've been in every year where beyond the everydays, you know I have been pounding the table, screaming for two back sets in this Washington Commanders offense. This roster is built for two back sets, so we're already seeing it from Eric Bieniemy's offense uh, here in the preseason. And they used 20 personnel, two backs, no tight ends, once and only use that look three times all last year and those two back sets that we saw last year with the no tight ends full back and, and a running back which is what you're usually going to see right i do still want to see some ag and bar and, and brian robinson maybe some curtis and ag curtis and brian uh somewhere in the backfield so not getting everything that i want but again preseason week one so i'll take what i can get a sign simply it's a sign of more scheme diversity from eric Bieniemy than we had under scott turner and that's going to help keep defenses from dialing in on what this offense is doing honing in on what Sam Howell is going to do, because if you have more looks, more personnel packages, then you can spread them out and you can keep them on their toes. And that's clearly what Washington is trying to do here. And I think it looked pretty good for your first dress rehearsal uh, of the season. Now, during the press conference after uh, the game, first of all, shout out to Sam 48 and Nikki Javala of the Washington Post, the only members of the beat that traveled to Cleveland. Uh, so they had the exclusive press conference with Ron Rivera the exclusive podium time with Sam Howell. They did a really good job. If you haven't caught the press conferences, I, I, sh I sent a, a DM out and praised them for the work that they did there. I mean, it's 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 amazing. But that's preseason football. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, not all the resources can go to preseason football. Uh, so that's just kind of how it works. But Sam did tell them after the game, quote, I thought it was good. Definitely did some good things out there as an offense. Definitely some things that we can improve on. But I think overall, it was good. He continued by saying, I thought communication was good. EB did a really good job. And there was a lot of things that I was proud of tonight, end quote. And for the crowd who maybe still, and the crowd is small, right? So, so it's not most of you, but for anybody out there who still thinks that maybe these players don't like Eric Bieniemy, uh, when you don't like your boss, you don't call him EB, you call him Eric Bieniemy, Coach Bieniemy, Coach Eric, whatever you want to call him, but you don't call him EB, right? So just a little bit of an anecdotal uh, thing to throw out there. Now, here's some data from Sam, Sam Howell. Here's where we get into the football nerd side of things. I'm a football nerd. Hopefully you're a football nerd. Uh, so Sam Howell completed three passes for gains of 10 yards or more. Those three passes, two of them came against cover one coverage. One of them came against cover zero coverage. So cover one, you've got a deep safety cover zero. You have no deep safeties covering the top. Those are the three coverages that his passes that went for 10 yards or more uh, came against. Sam Howell also faced five or more pass rushers from the Cleveland Browns five times. And he completed three passes against those five looks. The biggest of those pass completions was the 26-yard touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson, which came against cover one. So there was a five-man rush, five or more. I want to say it was five-man rush, cover one, uh, coverage from the defense, and uh, Sam Howell able to exploit that for the 26-yard touchdown. His first time facing five rushers or more, so in theory a blitzer, along with your organic pass rush. First time facing five or more rushers, he got the ball out quick against cover one coverage, hit Curtis Samuel underneath for a 10-yard gain. Second time, he was able to connect with tight end Cole Turner for a seven-yard game. Third time was incomplete because the Browns' defense guarded the middle of the field. So that, that Curtis Samuel pass, middle of the field, Cole Turner running through the middle of the field. Third time, they run that cover one with a five-man look. 
uh, five-man pass rush, rather. They committed to the middle of the field. They took that away from Sam Howell. He didn't come off of it early enough, scrambled outside the pocket, uh, gave the, threw the ball downfield to Curtis Samuel on the left sideline, but wasn't able to connect. His fourth time facing five or more pass rushers was a uh, was was six rushers, actually no extra man in to protect, so the pass, uh, the pass rush came in quick. Zadarius Smith ended up being the free rusher of the Browns defensive end. Uh, deflected the pass that was intended for Antonio Gibson in the flat. And the fifth time Sam Howell saw five or more pass rushers was a touchdown pass. So I think you see the evolution there uh, of Sam Howell kind of getting comfortable with those five rushers and even six one time uh, in his face. Howell was five of uh, five, four, six, five of six pass attempts against four man rushes, which is the Cleveland Browns organic pass rush. One more note that I thought was kind of cool. Sam Howell threw nine catchable balls on 12 attempts. All of those catchable passes were completed. Again, the drop by John Bates doesn't exist officially because of the penalty. But if you want to throw that in, he threw 10 catchable passes on 13 tries. That's a 77% catchable pass rate. Uh, that's pretty good for your first time leading a team in a new offense and in live uh, live bullets, a live opponent out there. So that's our first sustain of the new season. Let's see more of that from Sam Howell, from Eric Bieniemy from this offense. But we've got an area of commanders football that we want to see improve the most before the Baltimore Ravens game next Monday night. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, new potential hires can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job on LinkedIn Jobs and then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can prioritize quickly who you'd like to interview and who you would like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster so post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks everybody Locked On Commanders first listen or view today and every day. Every day is, of course, I greatly appreciate you for coming through, especially on the weekends. Uh, Saturday episode here. We are back at practice tomorrow, so I will have a Sunday drop. Monday, we are at back at Ashburn. Tuesday, Wednesday, we're in Baltimore. Thursday, we're off, but you know what? I'm probably going to drop an episode anyway. Friday, we're back at practice. Uh, I think Saturday as well, and then we're off Sunday. Monday night is the game. I don't, I'll, I'll keep you up to date. It's, it's kind of hard to keep track of all, but there's a lot of football coming, so we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to continue with our AAR, and again, one area of sustain. We already talked about Sam Howell, smart quarterback play, efficient quarterback, quarterback play. I want to keep seeing that. What do we need to improve on the starting offensive line? You're not going to be surprised by this. The offensive line. Uh, not a not a perfect day. I don't think anybody expected really a perfect day, but there were some critical uh, and some glaring holes. Obviously, the offensive line needs to fix coming into next week against the Baltimore Ravens, and surely before the end of, or before the beginning of the regular season. Uh, starting off with two critical penalties by right tackle Andrew Wiley, the veteran, and and it's a little bit more disappointing when you consider that he's not only the veteran, but he's also the guy who's been in the EB system. He knows the scheme, he knows the plays, he's been doing this, so you kind of expect him to be a little bit more advanced in the process. Uh, first holding penalty came on a first and 10 from the Washington 43. So you're near mid midfield. Uh, it was a pass that pass that was dropped by John Bates. Again, would have gotten the commander's offense about the 35, 30 yard line of the Cleveland Browns had it been completed and John Bates turned up field. But even if he catches it, the penalty is obviously going to negate it. Now on the play, 
went back and watched it. Uh, Wiley wins initially in the play against Cleveland Browns defensive end Isaiah McGuire. And so I think that's that's fairly important, right? Initially, uh, he holds up Isaiah McGuire, gives Sam Howell about three seconds, and then about three seconds into the play, McGuire gets past Wiley's outside shoulder and starts in towards Sam Howell, who is still in the pocket. That's when Andrew Wiley grabs McGuire's inside shoulder, so it's his right shoulder as he's moving around Andrew Wiley, spinning him around. I mean, the, the back judge had no choice but to throw a flag there. You see a defensive lineman literally pirouette and, and turn away from the quarterback. That's going to be a hold uh, every time, just as Sam Howell is making the throw. Now, Sam Howell, honestly, is going to look at that tape, and, and, and his quarterback's coach, his offensive coordinator, all of them are going to look at that tape. And they're probably going to tell Sam, hey, in the future, we need you to try to get through that progression faster. Come off of that first read. See John Bates clearing behind the behind the linebacker in front of the safety into open space and get rid of that ball a little bit faster. But certainly uh, a bad ending to that rep by Andrew Wiley. Again, in the initial uh, part of the rep, one, one, I would say he won it, but uh, didn't keep it the entire time. And then about three seconds in, uh, you know, everything kind of comes apart there. Second of two holding penalties on Wiley obviously came on the safety. Uh, that time going up against Darius Smith, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. We talked about that in our pregame episode. That's that's a hard matchup for anybody. Um, but Wiley kicks out really, really far. And, and look, Darius Smith had been kind of hitting that outside uh, rush on him. So I think that's kind of why. And, and Darius Smith is a smart dude, probably knows, hey, eventually he's going to kick out too far. I'm going to take advantage of it. Um, and and it, what's really kind of head scratching, and I'm sure they're going to talk about this in film study, is that Andrew Wiley actually has Alex Arma behind him as a backfield running back and arma isn't immediately going out for a route he's actually staying in to help make sure that the pass rush doesn't get to sam howe so as you watch andrew wiley kick out really wide alex arma is actually kicking out wider than him in order to try to help him protect that outside shoulder so in reality if you know alex arma is back there as andrew wiley what you should be doing is actually maintaining the inside part of that rush lane so that he can't get inside of you because alex arma as he as alex does start to leak out of the backfield Zadarius Smith hits Andrew Wiley with an inside move, takes advantage of all that space to the inside because of Wiley's extra kick outside. And you can actually even watch Alex Arma. Like you see his his body language. He's surprised how much wider uh, Andrew Wiley uh, is on that play and how much wider he has to get. So again, you've got that health there. You got to trust your teammate to be there uh, and make that play. So uh, that's that's something that they're certainly going to talk about um, and and something that hopefully again will get uh, fixed. So. You know, no harm, no foul. The, the team came away with the win, so you can learn from that with a victory in your pocket. But there are some other plays that the, the offensive line group is certainly going to look at. And I didn't go through every single one and pick out and nitpick every single bad player, every single loss rep. But I did want to highlight uh, just a few here that, that stood out to me. Uh, the first run of the game, actually, Brian Robinson Jr. gets the ball stopped on what's supposed to be uh, a B-gap run to the left side out of a shotgun formation. Charles Leno Jr., the left tackle, puts his head down. Uh, as he's engaging defensive end Chuck Wiley for the Cleveland Browns. Once he puts his head down, Wiley takes advantage of it, gets inside of his shoulder into that gap uh, and makes a stop on by Brian Robinson for uh, no gain at the line of scrimmage. Um, on the play following that, uh, following the sack, rather. So you go back to go fast forward to the sack of Sam Howell on the very next play following the sack. Right guard Sam Cosme gets beat pretty quickly off the line by defensive end Zedarius Smith. Again, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL uh, who got to Howell early forcing a quicker throw than he wanted to with the play design because of that center Nick Gates wasn't able to get out of his initial block and upfield to get the block that he's supposed to have uh, resulting in a two-yard loss on the quick pass uh, on, on that play. On a second and 10 later on in the game from Washington's five-yard line, this is right before the safety. The commanders try to get Antonio Gibson uh, the ball on a trap run through the A-gap, but Cleveland Browns defensive tackle Jordan Elliott 
takes Chris Paul for a ride right into that sucker uh, and blows it up, leading to AG trying to kick it outside where he's dropped uh, eventually for no gain. Later in the scoring drive, now the, the good drive there, Chris Paul uh, does end up getting beat quickly by defensive tackle Tommy Tagayi of the Cleveland Browns. Didn't really impact the play, fortunately, because the play call was a very quick pass that Sam Howell got out almost immediately. Uh, but any other type of pass drop, any other type of look, and that play is going to result in immediate pressure up the middle. Or if that's a run play, you're talking about a defense tackle being there at the point of the handoff uh, as quickly as the guy got off the line and beat Chris Paul. So uh, by my math, you know, we're talking bad, bad losses, not just general loss, but bad losses. Charles Leno had one. Sam Cosme had one. Chris Paul had two. Andrew Wiley, the two holds. Uh, they all played 21 snaps. So that's 5% for Leno and Cosme. 10% of snaps for Paul and Wiley ended up in bad reps. Now, it wasn't all bad, right? There were some certainly some positives, so I don't want to just leave it on the negative uh, and talk about that. So uh, on the one the one sack on how the offensive line actually doesn't do a bad job. That sack actually isn't really entirely on the offensive line. Hal just can't find anyone in time, doesn't make the decision to run from the pocket until it's too late. I timed it as best I could. It took about three seconds from the time Sam Hal had the ball snapped to him until the defensive back comes in and gets the sack. Mike Ford uh, combining on the sack with Mo Hurst and most quarterbacks will tell you at about the three-second mark, if you're not hitting a pass, you need to be getting out of the pocket, especially if you're mobile like Sam Howell is. So I think in the future, we'll probably see that internal clock get sped up just a little bit uh, in terms of getting out of the pocket. So not really a plus play for the offensive line, but I will say I would say that the offensive line did a fairly good job uh, given what they were facing there on that sack play. That I would put that a little bit more on Sam Howell than I would the offensive line. On the 11-yard run, there's an 11-yard run off the left edge by Brian Robinson. Uh, later on in the game, there were some really good blocks, not all by the offensive line, but I do want to highlight this play. Jahan Dotson starts it off by sealing the edge against Browns linebacker Agbo Okoronkwo. Okoronkwo, hopefully I said that correctly. Uh, Diami Brown helps uh, lay down a block on cornerback Mike Ford, keeping him from getting into the pursuit lane, which is where Brian Robinson ran through when he got to the edge. Uh, those two receivers laid down those blocks, allowed Charles Leno Jr. and Cole Turner, who was actually pulling the right side of the formation to get wide and downfield laying a block on linebacker jacob phillips enforcing cornerback aj green the third all the way outside to the perimeter to keep the play contained in field uh if there's one complaint it was so it was really good blocking scheme I mean, it was really good play if you have the opportunity to go back and watch that that 11 yard run a lot of moving pieces in there four four guys really working in unison to really spring that play uh, and help b rob get that 11 yard gain if there's one complaint that i would make it's on the left guard chris paul uh, if you watch that, he's got an opportunity to get to the second level and put a block on Jeremiah Wusu koromoa the linebacker for Cleveland. Doesn't really attack it, doesn't really go aggressive at it, and, and that's something that we talked about pregame uh, that he's been kind of you know uh, criticized on the practice field for not being super aggressive. So I think that's another play where I think Juan Castillo, Travell Wharton, they're going to talk to him and say, "Hey, dude, like that's what we're talking about. You need to get in there uh, and get that junkyard mentality and go hit that dude because Jeremiah Wusu koromoa ends up making the tackle, and if Chris Paul engages him instead of letting him go the way that he did." Brian Robinson might gain another five five or more yards. I mean, honestly, if JOK isn't there, there's two DBs uh, between Brian Robinson and the end zone. Uh, so, you know, DBs can get run over, guys. So who knows what happens on that play? At least five more yards, if not more. So that's going to be something that the coaches certainly are going to talk to Chris Paul about, I am sure. All right, so there's our after-action review. That's how it's going to work. Sometimes we're only going to have one on each side. If I have time, sometimes I'll do two or three. But as you can see, we get kind of detailed on these things. Uh, that's how I like to do it. So hopefully you guys enjoy some of those finer points uh, of the sustain and of the improve categories, uh, both coming from the offense, but that's not going to be the trend. We will go offense. We will go defense. I just 
didn't want to force it. And right now, obviously, the offensive line is a huge point of, of focus for all of us. So let's dive deeper now into snap counts and talk about what surprised me coming out of the Washington Commanders' first preseason win of the season against the Cleveland Browns. That's next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And surprises from the week one preseason win for the Washington Commanders 17 15 over the Cleveland Browns on Friday night. Snap leaders from Friday night for the Washington Commanders on offense. Tight end Curtis Hodges led all offensive players with 24 snaps, playing on 39% of the uh, offensive opportunities. Defense was safety Terrell Burgess, who played on 45 defensive snaps. That's 58% uh, of, of the. Uh, of the defensive opportunities, special teams, linebacker Milo Eifler played 10 special team snaps, getting 30%, 36% of the work there. So those are your snap leaders. Again, Curtis Hodges for the offense, Terrell Burgess for the defense, Milo Eifler uh, for the special team. Snap, some snap count, some snap count observations. Wide receiver Kyrick McGowan was the only non-specialist to not get snaps on their side of the ball. So every defensive player that got snaps, got snaps on defense. Every offensive player other than Kyrick McGowan got snaps on offense. So that's interesting. Something I might bring up uh, at the next press conference, just kind of ask maybe, you know, what that signifies or if it signifies anything. I don't know. It's, it's just interesting to me that only one player from offense and defense didn't play on either offense or defense. Another interesting snap count observation, cornerback Tariq Castro Fields, second year cornerback out of Penn State. Someone that I've mentioned has had a good camp so far, earning more reps. We talked to him here on the show. Uh, last week or the week before, uh, he led all cornerbacks with 35 defensive snaps on Friday, playing 45%. That tied with safety Jeremy Reeves, while Quan Martin, who sometimes a corner, sometimes safety, I just I just call him a DB. He led all DBs with 37 defensive snaps, but also drew two penalties in the process. Certainly would like to see Quan Martin. He wasn't our improved category, but I would certainly like to see Quan Martin uh, clean up a little bit of that. You want to be physical, but those 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 uh, officials throwing flags there, so hopefully he can learn from that. Uh, and have a better outing penalty wise uh, against the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, Woo. Baltimore Ravens. Some surprises from Friday night's game. Uh, I did predict predict uh, before the game that we would see four option plays from the starting offense, and we saw none. Uh, but we did see two during the course of the game. Eric Bieniemy did dial up two option plays: uh, one from the second team, one from the third team. Both ended up in runs uh, happening, and both gained yards, combining for nine yards total. Uh, on those two option plays. It's something, guys, we're seeing a lot of it in practice, so I really thought we would see it. Um, I'm sure we're going to see more of it in uh, the Baltimore Ravens joint practices, but, hey, that's preseason. Maybe something that EB is trying to keep under his hat on how they execute their read options. Everybody knows read options going to be there, just how they're going to do it and some of the variations, something that EB uh, is apparently not trying to expose too early to the rest of the NFL community. Also, I predicted that we see more blitzing on Friday uh, than perhaps we're used to seeing. And on Friday, Jack Del Rio sent five or more rushers with at least one of them coming from non-defensive linemen on 13, uh, uh, 13 plays on, on Friday. So that accounted for about 26% or so of the defensive snap. So, you know, a good amount of, of, uh, of plays there were more than just your organic down linemen are coming at the Cleveland Browns quarterback. Uh, and then finally, Cole Turner got 20 snaps on offense on Friday. More snaps with the first-team offense than John Bates got. John Bates did get one more total snap than Cole Turner, but Cole Turner got more offensive snaps with the first-team offense than John did with Logan Thomas out. We've talked about the potential of Cole Turner taking over that second tight end spot or that second receiving tight end spot with John Bates's drop on Friday. That's certainly not going to help his case either, so we'll continue to kind of keep an eye on that. 
Don't know how much it really matters. It's from a grand scheme of things for the Washington Commanders. But uh, if you're looking for a sleeper tight end that might get some opportunities, you know, we all know Logan Thomas has been injured more in the, in recent years than, than anybody would like. So if Cole Turner is the one getting more snaps in a very tight end friendly scheme that Eric Bieniemy is running, uh, and again, Cole Turner, four catches on four targets uh, on Friday night. So certainly getting some work in this offense. If he ends up being the guy above John Bates, that, that might uh, impact some decisions you make late in your fantasy drafts this coming season. Speaking of uh, coming up tomorrow, I will be back at Ashburn for my first day back of practice since I had to take a little bit of a break due to a family matter. Again, I appreciate all your guys' patience through all that. But look, we still got four episodes in uh, this week, despite the fact that I missed three practices. So plenty to talk about with the Washington Commanders. You never, never doubt that. So I will be back tomorrow. Sunday afternoon with you after another practice out in Ashburn. Our Howl Watch will continue as well, so make sure you come back for that. In the meantime, send your questions, comments on the in the YouTube comment section. Send them on Twitter. Email me at LockedOnCommanders.gmail.com or send them to me directly via subtext by going to joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders. Get your first, get your first two weeks free, uh, and then you can decide if you want to hang out uh, like so many done. Nobody so far, everybody so far has signed up, has done their two weeks, and they've stuck around, so I appreciate it, and hopefully that means everybody is enjoying it as always i want to thank you for making locked on commanders first listen or view of the day every day every dares i greatly appreciate you for coming through consistently like you do thank you so much for making me a part of your day and part of your football routine until we speak again please be safe be kind and i'll see you next time for another episode of locked on commanders part of locked on podcast network your team every day 